listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Days like this remind us that we live in interesting times. (laughs) (laughs) And not to make too much of a joke about it, but my wife and I looked at our stock holdings, meager as they are, and we both just kind of (laughs) went... whoops (laughs) whoops <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess I guess that's an appropriate response <laughs> woo <laughs> yeah right yeah exactly it's a great time to buy Mike uh, maybe maybe they're right but the uh, the depth of the reminder that No matter how hard we try, there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees. And there's a tendency in us to reach for guarantees, to try to build guarantees, to try to ensure guarantees in all sorts of different aspects of our lives. And the small self will keep trying and trying and trying and trying to do that. And it will, over time, over a long enough timeline, it will realize that it will fail and fail and fail and fail at that. So this teaching kind of points us in a different direction. Rather than trying to control rather than trying to manage a relationship with uh, the chaotic infinite, it's we very, very carefully observe our relationship with the chaotic infinite. And in the observation, there's a very natural arising of peace. No matter what is going on, as unbelievable as that sounds to the small self, to the ego, to that in us which feels separate, to that in us which clings and avoids. That's the fundamental truth that the mystical traditions, the non-dual traditions point out again and again and again and again. There's a Zen master, and I can't remember his name for the life of me in this moment. Um, If I blurt out some Chinese name, you'll know where it comes from. Uh, Essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but it was uh, the practice, realization, enlightenment, however you want to refer to it. 
was basically just one continuous mistake. What is it that perceives mistakes? The ego. The ego perceives mistakes. But the mistake itself and where it leads us is into the teaching. It's this red carpet into awakening when there are errors and we open to them. We let them in. We don't avoid them. We don't push them away. We don't fear the grand boo-boo. Instead of fearing life's boo-boos, we let them in. It's the infinite knocking on the door. We let them in. When we do this, our relationship to everything that we could possibly resist, our relationship to those patterns of resistance which take so much energy and sap us of our most basic strength and health. Instead, there's this certain slipperiness to it. It's one continuous boo-boo. Life. One continuous boo-boo. Enlightenment is a big, giant boo-boo. And meditation... <laughs> Let me get through this. <laughs> meditation makes us boo-boo prone. Okay? Meditation makes us boo-boo prone for the great boo-boo of awakening. This mistake, this beautiful divine mistake, it's waiting. It's waiting for you to fall. The big question is, are you ready? Are you ready to fall? So as long as we're talking about um, mistakes or uh, boo-boos, we have this tendency in our world, uh, our reality, to do everything in our power to avoid the mistakes in life. We want to be right. And in fact, being wrong means the death of a position, the death of a certain rectitude that the ego is clinging to, or to which the ego is clinging. And so we can explore this in some really interesting ways. We can look at uh, fear as being the resistance of resistance. Fear is an energetic upwelling that comes when we resist resistance. And there's a way out of this fear. There's a way into fearlessness if we can allow ourselves to really experience fear. Fear is not an issue. 
in and of itself. Recognizing how we resist fear is the path. It takes a tremendous amount of uh, self-referential, exploratory work to really understand what it is that we do to avoid fear. And that's a whole different issue than what is it that you fear. Does that make sense? It's a whole different issue. We might fear today uh, financial ruin. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, we might fear, uh, you know, some type of international calamity. We might fear, I mean, there are all sorts of things that we are told we should fear and that we should then act, of course, on those fears by voting a certain way or doing a certain thing. This also applies towards anger. There might be a wide array of things that you feel particularly angry about. And if you do, what are we looking at? Anger, once again, is a variation on this same theme of resisting resistance. It's just a variation. It's an energetic pattern, an upwelling of an energetic pattern that shows up in a very specific way when we resist resistance. It almost always comes from fear. It's usually secondary or tertiary, kind of down the line, but resistance is at the root of all of this, which is exactly why I pop off so much about not resisting. If you stop resisting, but instead meet whatever is coming up, you actually uncover the root of all pain, suffering, non-peace. You uncover that very naturally. You suddenly stumble. You suddenly have this major accident, this major boo-boo, this giant mistake that miraculously doesn't allow you to fall. It's a paradox. It's a mystery. There aren't words, really. We can point to it, but we can't actually describe it. That's for you to uncover. That is your path. That is your responsibility in this work. The teacher's responsibility, wherever that teacher might be, is to show you how to have the boo-boo. It's to show you where the universe is actually knocking at your door. It's to show you again and again the path towards uprooting that very, very primal resistance pattern that you might have. And then I found the most... Um, for me, for my personality, uh, the best teachers in that capacity were the ones that were lovingly relentless about that. <laughs> Did we ever remember that film, uh, An Officer and a Gentleman, with Richard Gere and Deborah Winger and Louis Gossett? I remember watching that movie and thinking, man, Louis Gossett, he's intense. He's so mean. He's so... And then by the end of the film, you're like, 
bodhisattva. You know? Um, now, that's an extreme version. It's not my approach <laughs> towards, towards many of you at all. But, uh, but the idea that there is very little time to waste. You can, if you want. Um, but there's very little time, ultimately, to waste before all this stuff is revealed to you and to me on our deathbeds. And the trick is to have this happen before you get into that situation. The trick is for you to recognize what are the patterns that lead to anger in you or fear in you. And then what are the offerings that the universe sh shows you and promises will actually alleviate, ameliorate, ease, take away the pain. If you vote for a particular candidate, it might ease your fear. If you vote for another particular candidate, you might not feel as angry. Or maybe you're voting for them because you feel so angry. This is important. And it's, it keeps coming up again and again and again in emails I get from people. Um, political situation, financial situation. I mean, there's a very, very interesting energetic thrust that's going on right now. And I, uh, I don't think it's this whole, the whole way that Infinite Smile uh, tends to try to approach this world is to live in it. Not try to divorce ourselves from it, but to be in it. My point in saying this is that it's very easy for us to fall into a particular story and adhere to a particular ideology because, damn it, it's right and they're wrong. And the minute we're in that space, we have lost a tremendous opportunity. I don't know if you're right or wrong. I don't really care. What I do care about is your realization. And realization comes way before your politics. Comes way before your fear, way before your anger. However, your anger, your fear, your politics can lead you right into the heart of awakening. If you're open to it, if you're available to it. This takes softening. Okay. It takes an allowance of what is. It takes an allowance for you to be fearful or for you to be angry and drop right into the middle of it without flinching. And in so doing, what happens is you realize that neither your fear nor your anger nor any other kind of negativity or any other kind of emotion will annihilate you. It will only annihilate the things you don't need. So as long as we can stop resisting resistance, we can avail ourselves to the big boo-boo. <laughs> as long as we can stop resisting resistance, 
as long as we can just recognize it, oh, there's resistance, boo-boo. In that recognition, that tender recognition of exactly what is, we become free of what we think is going on. We become free of our felt sense of what is going on. We become free of where our mind meets our body and creates an emotional response to what is going on. An emotional response to what is going on becomes quite trivial, magical and mysterious and might be fun, but it's not something that tears us apart. And our anger will no longer tear us apart from that place, nor will our fear. And what arises from that? Tenderness and wisdom and an ability to embrace all things from a very, very centered, grounded place. It allows us to recognize that we are not alone. It allows us to recognize that we are in fact one with every other thing in the universe and at the same time separate. And where those two things meet, we get to kiss the sky. Are you in the present? I'm trying really hard. No, that wasn't the question. Are you in I the present? Yes. You are? Who is? My consciousness or whatever. I'm in the stream of consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> so I would uh, respectfully say that Eckhart needs to go a step further. Because as long as there's an I in the process, there isn't the present moment. You can't be in the present moment. There, well, that, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. But the, if there is an I that is somehow in the present moment, it's not. If there is an I that manifests as the present moment, now we're talking. You understand? That there's, there's the separation that somehow thinks, oh, I get it. Therefore, the, I have no more questions. And this is such a great space for the ego to hide. Because then the ego will think, I'm not saying you, I'm saying any of us, that thinks we get it, has just turned awakening into a possession. And now we're just talking about spiritual materialism. We're not talking about spirituality. We're not talking about the path. We're talking about a distraction, a little shiny metal object that we find along the path that we think is, is awakening. So we, we want to be really, really, really careful about how much I is in the mix. And questioning, questioning radically shakes the cage for the I. Because then it's about wonder. A question, not so that you can get something, but a question like, huh. And the minute we can have that huh moment more and more and more and more, we are open to the divine mistake. Wide open. But 
I'm wondering, do you have, I don't know how to talk if I don't use my... Personal pronoun I? Yes. It's hard, isn't it? Language gets in the way. Yeah. So, um, I, I find I have fewer questions. I don't know if that's because I've gotten lost or because <laughs> I just don't Man, either way, either way, it's good. If you're lost, that's now you're on the path. Okay? If you know exactly where you are. And this is one of the dangers of, of I think, spiritual work that maps it out in kind of a linear way. You know? That can really, really give, like I said, uh, the small self all sorts of things, not only that hook it, but that it can hook into. Right? So. Uh, there is a very, very obvious period of settling that occurs. But then if, and that's, that's really cool, that's really nice, but if that settling becomes something that we attach to, then we've, again, we've gone, we've slipped back down the mountain, so to speak. Um, and so constantly, constantly generating a space of wonder is really only thing that can bring us into direct realization because direct wonder is still and if we're not still if we're if we're knowing or I already know the answer to that or then we're moving ego has started to manage the process so it can it just get, it just gets sticky but great question yes Oh, meditation, I think, help me with some, somebody who's, I don't always listen to what I'm saying, but it, it, was, uh, uh, it was meditation sets us up for the big boo-boo. So in other words, we, we, what, we, what we try to do, uh, enlightenment is this, is this mistake. It's, a, it's this amazing mistake. It's a horrible mistake to the ego. What are you talking about? Come back here. You know, that's, that's where the small self is going into this really charged, frightened, angry space. And so meditation kind of forces the issue. And it, may, it, turns us, it turns our life into a situation where we can become increasingly comfortable with that divine mess, with that mistake. And we practice meeting it uh -huh. without resisting it uh -huh. or without going after it. Uh -huh. Are you saying then that that, whatever that might be mm -hmm. for any of us, is the divine boo-boo? It puts us right in, in direct availability okay. for the boo-boo. Okay. So in other words, just simply pay attention to what it is. It, yes. Whether you want to call it a boo-boo or a mess. How about just pay attention? And if you are just paying attention, you are being still. Okay? Paying attention doesn't mean create a commentary about what arises. It means being there with whatever arises. Right? So if we are, if we are just paying attention, 
where we are, right there, our availability, we become a much larger target for the error. And just another opportunity. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Just another opportunity. Okay. Thank yeah. You. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think, Judy, you were next, and then well, Jeff. It was a similar question sure. about divine mistake and divine boo-boo. Mm -hmm. um, is that, are you talking about an event that is a divine mistake, divine boo-boo, or at any time something that we're resisting can be that. I, I, would, I would go a little a step further, and that is that anything invites us into the big, the big mess. Anything invites us into the divine, or shows up as an invitation to the divine boo-boo. Okay, anything. Uh, the examples that I was giving, especially our intense feelings, tend to, the, the doorway is just a little wider, the gate opens a little farther. Sometimes I think of it like a sliding glass door. It's a little bit, it's, op it's really open when there is negativity. Because negativity is so easy for each of us to recognize. And if in that moment of negativity, we You're, are blessed to wake up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Then, yeah, then the door falls away. Then there's no deck out beyond the door. There's nothing inside either. There's nothing. No eyes, no ears, no nose, no touch, no nothing. Nothing. Okay? And then we recognize our true nature. And our true nature is simultaneously at one with all things and miraculously separate from all things with the knowledge that it is one with all things. Now, if you understand that, let go of the understanding. Right. Okay? Because the understanding is... It's running a bias. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Jeff? Can it happen when you're asleep? Uh, by definition, awakening cannot happen while you're asleep. We spend most of our lives asleep. So let me, let me give you definition, my definition of being asleep. Being asleep is being... Uh, strongly identified with your mind and its activity, your body and its activity, and your emotional life and its fluctuations. That's a sleep. That's a dream. Okay? When you go past the dream, okay, into, say, dreamless sleep, that is awakening. Okay? Carrying that dream, that consciousness, that just total openness of dreamless sleep into your day-to-day -day life is also awakening. And that will change the dream, both in your conscious waking moments and in your, your uh, REM patterns of sleep. There's a different awareness that permeates all things. Yes. Yeah. I may have misunderstood your, your previous conversation. I thought by when you said don't resist the resistance, you were saying uh, embrace it, enjoy it. So if you get angry, no. I'm not saying embrace it. That's another attachment. That's just this. That's this. Instead of embracing it, is just like 
avoidance, which is I will not embrace that, I will embrace this, which is pleasure as opposed to this pain, right? So that's the whole thing we want to get away from. Non-embracing doesn't mean you don't enjoy it. You can, in other words, welcome whatever it is that's showing up without grasping it or avoiding it. Just, here I am. Okay? And with that type of intensive presence, with that type of uh, major attention, what happens? You'll see. Practice with it. It doesn't mean, because, and let me tell you the risk that we run, when, if, we, if, we, if we just embrace the negativity or we embrace our resistance, what do we do? We actually create a situation <laughs> where we, we call that denial. Oh, it's bad, but no, it's not, it's good, right? It's a, it's a very, very subtle, subtle shift that can happen if we begin to reach after our misery or our suffering or whatever. Being there for it is open. There's no resistance to it. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Okay. Deeper clarity? Okay, cool. Good. Good. I'm glad. Now let go of that. <laughs> Anyone else? There's magic that occurs here. Oh. <laughs> And you are that magic. <laughs> um, when we were talking here in our group, we were talking about how much information there was today about about, about a lot of things. And we were talking about our response. You mean the crash, the vote, the, the candidates and the reaction yeah. to it, the whole, got yeah, it. Yeah. The whole mush book. <laughs> the whole thing. Yep. Responses to that, and how you know we had we had some different responses. Whether we wanted to pay attention or whether we didn't want to pay attention, whether we were you know whether we felt we could be involved, you know. And then we were like we were saying, well, then we just wanted to go off and wash windows mm-hmm. because we felt that we had no we didn't know what to pay attention to or you know what we had power over or. So if we're so if all the if if all of that stuff's going on and we're going off to wash windows, how do we go off to wash windows without ignoring what's going on? Like how how do we make that an appropriate response? Does yeah, that sure it does. May I ask you if you it, um, what was your intention underneath the washing of the windows? Was it to escape? the information that was coming through the tube or radio? I don't think so. I think our, like when we were talking about it, I think it was more that we didn't know what to pay attention to. So don't pay attention to anything except washing the windows? At least that's something I can control? I think so. I think so. Okay. I think so. I, because, you know, we were talking about sure. the fear. Oh, so, so there was fear? Yeah, the fear and the anger, ah. you know. That okay, so then if there was fear... And washing the windows was an escape from that fear. Then the washing of the windows was an incredibly unenlightened act. However, <laughs> well, that's why I asked. yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, uh, sometimes washing windows in the midst of uh, real scary stuff can be really, really healthy. So the really interesting thing to practice 
is in the midst of this flurry of information, pay very close attention to what's going on within you as opposed to what's going on the TV. So if the TV actually sparks something within you, pay attention to what just got sparked. That's your path to awakening. Your path to sleep or the dream is to get caught by the images that you're seeing, by the flashing, moving, pretty colors and the loud noises and the shrill commentary or whatever. It is designed to tailor a new outfit for the ego. Okay? And if it gets you just to shut it off and then go do something else because you can't... I mean, that, then what we're talking about is an escape from something that's just tweaked you. Instead, what we can practice is, and it gets much easier the deeper our meditative practice actually works, is we can actually have it hit, have it hit, have it hit. And then go, huh, wow, yeah, that really smarts. Huh. i got to wash windows. Mm-hmm. Understand the difference? One is... It is, but, but uh, I, I would say that's why I use the term awareness. Be, so, be, so then see, so, so it's coming on the radio, yeah. so then you're, the witness is aware of the information coming off the radio. And it doesn't analyze it. And it, it doesn't analyze it. No, it's just it just a, accepts that, okay, here's, here's the information. The information. And, and then it also, arising, it witnesses that too. It witnesses that too. Yes. And it says, wow, anger's arising, or fear is arising. Wow. Got to remember to wash those windows. Oh, yeah, that's arising. At that point, washing the windows is an act of enlightenment. Because it's not an escape. From You're right. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a decision. It's a participatory dance with the universe okay. in both arenas. So it's not ignoring it. It's just saying, okay, this exists. Right. Yeah. There is magic that happens here. 